I'm going to do things a little bit different. You know, usually, uh, you know, sermon starts out with some, you know, funny little joke and then, uh, or maybe a little funny story and then, uh, you know, it's related back to the passage that we're talking about and then there's a prayer and then we get into the sermon and so on and so forth. But I'm just going to dive right into the Bible if that's okay with you guys. Uh, so please open up your Bible. Chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're starting this morning in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His Your words come through. God, that the focus not be on uh, the funny jokes or the not-so-funny jokes or uh, the atmosphere around, uh, but God, that the focus this morning be on your words. God, let us desire you more this morning. Let us walk out of here more hungry for you than when we walked in. And we ask that God, that we will gain more understanding into who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh. How about now? How about now? Close enough? Whatever? Okay. Ooh, is that better? All right. Okay. Uh, so, we are going to begin uh, by talking about cliches. Uh, now, you've got a piece of paper in your bulletin, uh, very detailed notes this morning. Uh, on the front it says, pray. On the back it says, no. And there is plenty of room for you to fill in, jot down, doodle, whatever you want. Uh, so this is your space to do with as you please. Cliches. Uh, Cliches are phrases that are tossed out and very rarely well thought about before said. We've heard them all a million times, and, you know, we toss them out without really thinking through exactly what we're saying. You know, someone's just having a horrible day, or, uh, you know, they they bomb a test, or uh, they lose their job in a and cliche is to throw out, it'll all work out in the end. Not always true. It really isn't, you know? Uh, Even though uh, this is uh, commonly tossed out, uh, it's just there almost as a euphemism. Just uh, here, let me help you feel a little bit better about the situation. I know what I'm saying is probably not accurate, but at least it makes you smile when we leave and makes me feel like I helped you. 
Uh, but again, just empty, useless. Oftentimes when uh, a breakup happens between two people, this phrase is tossed out. She doesn't deserve you. <laughs> when in fact the opposite might be true that you don't deserve her. Uh, but again, you know, we, we throw out these, uh, these cliches. And there are so many others that uh, are, are used all the time. And we don't really think about what we're saying. But we know that, okay, this is the scenario I'm in, so I think these are the words that I'm supposed to say. Christians have cliches too. And here's one of the biggies. I'll pray for you. Now, I'm not saying that it's, it's not ever done and it's not ever said with, with sincerity, because it is. But oftentimes when someone talks to you and, and shares something that's going on with them or just some difficult time, the, the correct Christian response is, oh, I'll pray for you. And then you feel good about what you just said and they feel a little bit better and you go your separate ways and that's the end of it. And the prayer doesn't happen, which is a shame. Just a shame. Guys, I just love having you right here. My youths right here, just staring right at me. This is awesome. This is great. I love it. I'll pray for you is just tossed out so often, but I, I challenge each and every one of you to think about the, the times that you have used it recently. Or maybe think about it the next time you use it. Do you follow up and pray? Or do you just leave it as, I, I said I'd pray for them and so that makes them feel better, which is what we're going for. Well, let's look at Paul. Let's look at our passage. Paul prayed. And he prayed a lot. Here in verse uh, 16, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is not an uncommon phrase for Paul to toss out. In fact, if you go through all of his other epistles, there's a lot of prayer for the people that he's writing to. When he writes to the churches in Rome, at the very beginning he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. When he writes to the churches in Corinth, one of the first things he says is, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. Again, uh, in writing to Corinth, he also mentions his buddy Titus, who he writes a letter to later. And he says, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. And again, uh, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. In the book of Ephesians, of course, we just saw Paul praying for 
the churches in Ephesus. But in chapter 3, he also brings it up. Uh, For this reason, I kneel before the Father for... Uh, from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In Philippians, uh, he prays again, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In Colossians, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. In 1 Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. Do you see a theme? Again in 1 Thessalonians, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have? In 2 Thessalonians, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. In 2 Timothy, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And finally, in Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Paul prays a ton. And he starts out by saying, I have not stopped giving thanks for you in this passage. I have not stopped. In First, uh, in first Thessalonians, he, he shortens it. He he makes that a little bit more brief and just says, pray continually. And so he, he tosses out this idea of always having an attitude of prayer, always uh, continuing to have prayer on your mind. And he also says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Giving thanks. When we pray for other people, oftentimes we bring up the things that they have asked us to pray for. But how often do we just give thanks for them? I know I'm very guilty of this. That oftentimes I, I sit down, I'm, I'm a very direct person, so I'll sit down and I'll just get right to the punch. Okay, God, here's the things that I need. Here's the things that so-and-so needs. Bump, 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 bump. And by the way, you're awesome. Amen. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's something missing in there. And one of the things that Paul points out is that he continues to give thanks for other believers. How often do we give thanks for other believers? I remember in some of my prayers for other believers that were related to me, uh, I would pray, God, please help her to stop annoying me. (laughs) And it was a very sincere prayer. But maybe I should have been giving thanks for her instead of asking uh, asking God to fix her. In fact, uh, I, I love this quote. Satan loves to divide and finds lots of opportunity within the ranks of Christians over issues which are downright silly. Satan loves to divide and finds lots of opportunity within the ranks of Christians over issues which are downright silly. You know, today, uh, there's something going on that can divide a lot of Christians. Who do I root for in the World Series? <laughs> I mean, it, this, is, this is a big divisive issue. But uh, at the same time, I, it's, it's downright silly. You know, and I, I love and desire that we as Christians celebrate what we have in common. 
more than arguing over what we don't. Now, yes, there's a place to, to dialogue about the challenging stuff in the Bible. Uh, and we're going to get to that in a, little, a little bit later. But we need to celebrate what we have in common, first and foremost. We need to pray for Church of the Chimes. We need to pray for Calvary. We need to pray uh, for Church on the Hill. A number of different churches in this area. We're all on the same team. And whether they come here or go to one of these other places, we're, we're still worshiping the same God. And we should be praying for them as much as they should be praying for us. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now this remembering, definitely a challenge. And as I just listed off all these different uh, cities that Paul is praying for with numbers of churches in each city, that's a lot of people to be praying for. And I imagine Paul had something to help him remember how to pray. Uh, In Romans chapter 1, Verses 9 and 10, it says, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. All remembered. Now, this is uh, definitely a challenge and this is where our cliche starts falling apart. You know, it's one thing to, to say, I'll pray for you. But then oftentimes what happens is we don't remember. We forget to pray for the people that we should be praying for. And it's not out of malicious intent or anything like that. It's just we forget. Our brains can only hold so much at one time. And so it slips out. Well, what are some solutions to that? First of all, and this is one of my favorites, is right in the moment, pray. When you toss out something like, I'll pray for you, do it. Right there. I'll pray for you right now. Uh, I love this uh, artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and he has a song called Let Us Pray. And in verse 1 it says, I hear you say your heart is aching. You've got trouble in the making, and you ask if I'll be praying for you, please. And in keeping with convention, I'll say yes with good intentions to pray later, making mention of your needs. But since we have this moment here at heaven's door, we should start knocking now. What are we waiting for? Right now is the best time to pray for someone. Don't bother waiting. Don't bother uh, keeping it until later. Take a minute. Take two minutes right then and there and pray for that person. When you say, I'll pray for you, do it right then and there. Uh, the other way that uh, a lot of people help remember to pray, and this has started working for me, is finding a safe place. You know, I, I used to just write them down, but I'd have, like on a piece of paper, but I have papers everywhere, and it would just disappear. And uh, so finally, I, 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 I got a, a smartphone, and uh, there's a little app on there that you can use to, to punch in, you know, kind of whatever notes. And so I keep uh, prayer requests. Right there on my phone so that I have access to it all the time. And I know a lot of you have smartphones out there, and yes, there is an app for that. Uh, and uh, you can download the same kind of thing and just uh, keep those there. 
or uh, maybe you're a journaler and you like to keep it in a journal, or uh, you have some other method. Maybe you like sticky notes. Uh, but find a way that really works and that you can continue to come back to. Uh, one of my buddies who's not here this morning, uh, some of you know him, Andy Ordway. Uh, you can go and talk to him. He's, he's very passionate about his iPhone apps, but he uses them so incredibly. And he's got it set up where he's got a different little file for each person uh, and keeps track of their prayer requests and sets an alarm so that it goes off every day so that it reminds him to pray for them. Uh, and so he prays for a number of different people every day, and I think it's just awesome. It's really, really cool. Uh, so that's, that's definitely a challenge, but uh, definitely one of the things I encourage you in is find a great way to actually remember to pray for people. Paul had a lot of things going on, and he remembered to pray uh, for these people. So I encourage you to do the same. Well, why did Paul pray? For that, we go back to verse 15. He says, for this reason, and those of you that are uh, English connoisseurs know that that is pointing to something we just read. So we have to go back and look at that. Uh, It's a transition phrase. For this reason, and I know there's probably better terminology than that. I'm not an English person. Um, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. So why? First of all, he says in that verse, faith and love. I got to dive in uh, and do some Greek study this week, which was a lot of fun. I had a great time. And faith. Uh, this word faith, uh, it talks about Faith, faithfulness, belief, trust. And this is the best part I love about this. With an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. So these weren't people that just said, yes, I believe. And that was enough. But uh, not only did they say, yes, I believe, but their actions were backing it up. He could see their faith. See their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for the saints. And if you uh, have been tracking along with where we've been going through uh, the first 14 verses of Ephesians, we've been talking about being chosen. How God has come and uh, chosen each and every one of you who follows Him. God has chosen you. And so Paul... After talking about this, now in the, the rest of his um, in the rest of his letters, when he talks about praying for the people, it comes up pretty quick. And this is one of the books that uh, he this is one of his letters that he waits the longest to say, "Hey, I'm praying for you guys." And I, I love it because he starts out before that saying, "Each one of you has been chosen by God." You have been chosen. I have been chosen. God has chosen us. God has elected us. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped praying for you. You've been chosen. I've been chosen. We're on the same team. I am going to be praying for you. Why? Because we are on the same team. Let's look back to some of these other passages 
and see why he prays for them. Now, if you're uh, an analytical kind of person and, and, and looking up here, and you know that, that Paul wrote everything from Romans all the way through Philemon, you'll notice that a couple of things are missing. A couple of books are missing. First of all, Titus is missing, which I mentioned uh, that in 1 Corinthians, Paul mentions praying for Titus. And the other one that's missing is Galatians. Now, Galatians is a very interesting book. Let me read you uh, the beginning of Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Faith out of it. Now notice he talks about election here too. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Here in Galatians, he's saying, man, we need to get things right. We need to get things going. And it's not that he wasn't praying for them. He's getting right down to business and saying, this is something we need to work on. Your faith is not showing up. This is a problem. So why is Paul praying? Because the Christian life is hard. Back in Ephesians, he's saying, uh, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, how easy is it to keep up your faith day after day after day? And remember, this isn't just belief. This is faith that is backed up by actions. How easy is it to continue every single day following after what God has asked you to do? Day in, day out. It's a challenge. And also it says, and your love for all the saints. Now, how easy is that to keep up? Man, I know some saints that it is challenging to love at sometimes. And I know I'm probably one of those people as well. More than likely. It's difficult. It's challenging. So Paul is offering this prayer to them because he knows how difficult it is. In Romans chapter 1. being reported all over the world. In 1 Corinthians, I always thank God for you. Why? Because of His grace given you election in Christ Jesus. Your faith. In 2 Corinthians, I thank God who put in the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. I'm concerned about you guys. And in 2 Corinthians 13, 7, now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Here, Paul is identifying, look, this is difficult. That's why I'm praying for you. In Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. We're on the same. In Colossians, why does he pray? 
We always thank God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why? Because we have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Now, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Definitely. And then he adds to that the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. First, Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3. We continually remember you before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Do you see a theme? Second Thessalonians 1, 3. We ought always to give thanks for you, brothers, and rightly so. Why? Because your faith is growing more love every one of you has for each other is increasing. In Philemon, he uses the exact wording that he uses in Ephesians. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Guys, when we see someone's faith in Christ, faith that is backed up by actions, and when we see their love for the saints... We should pray for them. When you see a brother and sis- or a sister in Christ who's following after God, showing their faith by what they're doing, and who's showing their love for other people, we need to pray for them. And this morning, we are going to do that right now for our brother, Rich Henderson. Thanks, Ben. Um, we want to be a church that's mighty in word and mighty in deed, um, and not error, just on one side or the other. And uh, one of the things that we discovered early on is there's a local missions agency, Love in the Name of Christ. They, they call themselves Love, Inc. Um, and they really preach a very simple message. Here it is, ready? Service precedes revival. And they just have this, this belief that, that showing people um, the love of Christ by tangible actions and getting the local bodies of Christ working together um, that really does manifest the love of God. And um, we happen to have in our midst um, Rich and Nancy Henderson. And uh, if you guys would come, I'm going to have them stand kind of right in the middle of the body here. We have this little open space. And um, Rich is the, are you the president? Are you the grandmaster? What's your title? <laughs> Director. Director of the local, so loving is a national thing. Here's what I'd like to do right now, just so they're not standing alone, and I want you to catch this visual. If you have in some way been connected with loving, either you have gone and met a need because of loving, or you're a loving coordinator, or uh, you have received love uh, from loving, or you have in some way prayed for or specifically supported loving, would you stand up right now? Stand up if you've been in some way connected to loving. Okay? What I want what I want you to do is look around right now. Stay standing for a minute. I want you to look around because of this. Um, when we decided to pursue supporting Love, Inc. as a church, we support them as a local missions agency. So every month, out of our general fund, we are supporting Love, Inc. We decided if we're going to support this organization, we're going to be an all-in church. We're not going to just write a check and kind of do this. And it's, it's a blessing to me to look around and see the number of people standing. I want you to stay standing. Um, and maybe even just some of those who are standing would go and just kind of lay hands on the bridge, gather around, and this is going to require a little bit of movement. So just if you're comfortable, would you go grab uh, 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 Rich and Nancy in some way, just put a, a hand on their shoulder, and, and we're going to have several of you pray. Um, 
just right here in the moment. Instead of saying, we'll pray for you, Rich. Um, and here's why we're doing this in specific. Um, one of the things is, uh, here's another phrase for you, okay? Is that familiarity breeds contempt. Um, if we have a visiting missionary show up in our midst from off on the field, and they were in our church, we would take time to lay hands on them and pray for them. We would want to hear about, how are you doing? What's going on? How can we pray for you? Well, Rich and Nancy and the Henderson crew um, are in our midst almost every single Sunday, unless they're out ministering somewhere. And so I'll confess to you and repent to you as a pastor, we haven't done this enough, Rich and Nancy, and we're behind you. We love you guys. Um, this Friday, please be praying. This Friday is a, a vision casting, but also a fundraising banquet for Loving. Loving needs to broaden its base if, if the work is going to continue in the way that it's continuing. And Rich and Nancy have had an amazingly godly attitude that's just said the Lord will provide. And if the Lord's going to change the paradigm, He's going to speak to that in some ways through money uh, to, to support things. But, um, but we want to lift up loving specifically with regard to this coming Friday and what God might do through that banquet, but also in general just to be an encouragement. So um, could, could a couple of you just lead out and pray um, loud enough? If we can't hear you, we know God can. But, but pray nice and loud for you. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, for loving this area. Thank you for the chance of being a part of it and uh, going with uh, the body of Christ to help people. Thank you for Rich and Nancy and all the people that put it together and give us the ability to help these people. Thank you for the uh, ability to go out and serve your community people that, that don't know you, that don't have uh, the desire to come to church or the ability to or or the desire to know you as their Savior, but have Christians come into their lives and show, show them the love of Christ. Thank you for uh, just the way we have a unique ability to touch their lives and, and make a difference in their lives. Um, and, and really to see see what the love of Christ really means is, is, a, is a selfless love, Lord, that, that will just serve and lift up others and uh, lift them up to you, Lord. I pray that you continue the uh, ministry they have here and uh, continue bringing them both people calling on the calling on the phones to uh, to have needs and, and people in the, in the body to serve and meet those needs and uh, and the ministry them. I pray most importantly, Lord, that you bring these people to you, that you love, that you show, that you show them, that you bring them to you. Father, we thank you for uh, the Hendersons and their service to you. I pray that you would uh, strengthen them and lift them up as they they, uh, serve you and as they serve our community in a way that you... uh, Uniquely provided them to you. Lord, we, uh, we know that you're working. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would come alongside them, we would continue to pray, and that uh, we could see your work be done through them. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to give them strength and give them encouragement, and Lord, that uh, people would come to know you through this earth.
Now we pray boldly for Friday for the raise up who needs to be there. Thank you for the unique niche that loving all around the nation fills. And uh, God, we pray that you would continue to support and sustain the Hendersons and what you've called them to do. Uh, thank you, Lord, so much for their example to us. Thank you for their trusting you, Lord, through um, scary financial times. And Lord, how they are listening intently instead of running from or, uh, or firing back at you, Lord. And we just pray that you show them a really, really powerful way this Friday. We love this uh, <coughs> family. So we thank you for them. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Prayer and action. So it's time to flip over to the back of your paper. Maybe you've been writing on there already. But if not, it's time to head over. Let's talk about fish. Okay? Now... I would be interested to see if anyone knows what kind of fish this is. Now, that's, that's definitely a challenge. but uh, No, you know because I told you about it. That doesn't matter. It's what? It is not a lungfish, but a good guess. A dead fish. No, it's actually a very alive fish. Well, at least I think. I mean, I didn't take the picture. Um, this is a bristlemouth fish. Now, okay, so here's the amazing thing that I find about the ocean. Uh, when I was in school, younger, about your ages, uh, I loved studying the explorers, you know, Columbus and Magellan and uh, all those different guys that set out You know, and here they're discovering things that have never been discovered before. And I'm like, man, that's really cool. But I could never do that because everything's been discovered at this point. So what's, what's the fun in that? Um, but as I've come to uh, study the ocean a little bit more, and I took a class in marine biology, I found out that the ocean is actually... Uh, one of the few places on this earth that we don't really have full knowledge of. And it's quite amazing. And uh, the deeper into the ocean you go, the less knowledge we have. And so these four fish that uh, I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, so you have a little bit of fish education today, fish education, that works. Uh, are fish that live a little bit deeper than your normal everyday fish. Now, these bristlemouths uh, live uh, between 1,000 to 8,200 feet deep. Uh, so they get down almost to two miles under the water. Uh, bristlemouths are well camouflaged. When deep sea animals look up towards the ocean's surface, they see other animals overhead as dark shapes against a lighter background. 
But by lighting two rows of photophores on its underside, this deep sea fish avoids casting a shadow on predators below and can virtually disappear. Now, I must say I'm rather shocked that no one knew what this fish was because bristlemouths are the most abundant fish in the world. Interesting, huh? I'd, I'd never heard of them before, but there's more of them out there than any other fish. This next one is really cool. This is not an x-ray of a fish, nor is it an x-ray fish. Uh, this is actually a lantern fish. And uh, the lantern fish lives uh, between 1,000 and 3,000 feet deep. Uh, and it's kind of cool because it's got a dimmer on it. It can brighten or dim its lights. And uh, sometimes these lights are actually with other lanternfish. I don't know if they do uh, Morse code in the way they flash them or what, uh, but they do use their lights, at least we think they use their lights to communicate with other fish. Again, these fish live way down. We're not really uh, sure about them. You know, we have a hard time going down to those depths, but these fish thrive down there. Now, this next one is uh, the viper fish. And I know it's kind of hard to see, uh, almost impossible to see, but uh, about uh, an inch down the fish, sticking straight up, uh, is what looks kind of like a lantern. Now, uh, the viper fish lives between 2,000 and 9,000 feet deep. This fish can be easily recognized by, by its large mouth and sharp fang-like teeth. Uh, if you look at a picture of its face, it's actually kind of really freaky looking. In fact, these fangs are so large that they will not fit inside the mouth. Instead, they curve back very close to the fish's eyes. The viper fish, now this is great. The viper fish is thought to use these sharp teeth to impale its victims by swimming at them at high speeds. <laughs> the first vertebra, so the vertebrae are the bones in your neck, right? The first vertebra right behind the head is actually designed to act as a shock absorber. So this fish swims high speed at other fish to like, I don't know, stab them or something with its teeth. Uh, I wouldn't recommend for you to try this, uh, but that's what it does. And this, so this light that's up above it, uh, this lantern type thing is again a light that it uses to attract prey towards it. Uh, you know, just like bugs, you know, like to go towards the light. Uh, fish down deep uh, below like to go towards the light. So they find this little light floating around and they go towards it and become lush. Uh, so that's the viper fish. This last one's kind of cool. Uh, it's called the flashlight fish. And uh, right below the eye is this like white uh, sliver thing. And that they can turn on or off. Kind of like as headlights on the fish. Uh, they live in tropical waters. Uh, and again, they live deep down in there, and that's kind of why they have that, so they can see what uh, they're doing and where they're going. Uh, but at night, they'll kind of come up to shallower waters, and boat captains will actually use them as guides. Like, they'll follow these fish when they're trying to navigate coral reefs. They'll follow the fish, kind of see where the fish go to know, okay, there's no coral there. So they'll find a school of these fish that all have their lights lit up, and they'll follow them along. These are really, really cool fish. And I'm sure uh, many of you had no idea that they existed. Maybe some of you did. Uh, but the idea of this, 
this is that uh, as you go deeper into the ocean, you find more and more interesting things. And it, it works on all these other different levels too. A song that you love becomes sweeter when you hear the story behind it, why it was written. Your respect for an American hero increases when you hear the struggle that he fought. Any of you who have uh, studied Abraham Lincoln know that he went through a lot before he became president. And it just gives you more of a respect for him. You uh, appreciate uh, a movie star or an athlete more once you learn that the thing hasn't gone to their head, hasn't affected them. They have a family and that they've settled down and they've been married to their spouse for uh, quite a long time. You marvel stars more once you understand the idea of a galaxy. And you love your God more as you understand more of his character. Uh, I also teach Bible over at the King's Academy and we spent four weeks in our class talking about God, who he is diving into his attributes, talking about uh, who this God is that Christians follow. And we dove into the scriptures and looked at all of this. And a lot of things, we walked away going, I don't get it. Man, this is hard to understand. I love the song we sang. Uh, Show us who you are. It says, uh, God, leave us amazed at who you are. The more we dive into God and his attributes, the more we should be amazed at who he is. The more we should stand in awe of him. Some people say ignorance is bliss, and uh, definitely in, in some scenarios you can make that apply. But I think often people use that as an excuse to, to stay away from knowledge. And yet Paul challenges us. To dive deeper. Take a look at verses 17 and 18. It says this. This is why, or not why, sorry. This is what Paul prayed for. Okay? So we talked about why Paul prayed. Because of their faith and their love. But here's what he prayed for. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And then he goes on to talk about what he desires for them to know. But what did Paul pray for? He prayed for knowledge for them. Again, I did some, I just in, really enjoyed doing some Greek study uh, this week. And uh, looking at these words in verses uh, 17 and 18, this word revelation, uh, disclosure, to make information known with an implication that the information can be understood. So this idea of revelation is. Uh, God giving us insight into who he is with the implication that we can understand it. 
many of you have, have friends that uh, give you information, but you definitely don't understand it. Uh, I have a buddy of mine who is definitely one of, the, one of the smartest people I know. And as we sit and have conversations, I do my best to steer the conversation towards something that I know something about. But it, it never really works. You know, I, I, I feel like I, I know something about acoustic guitars. And so uh, he's a musician as well. And so we started talking about acoustic guitars. And then he just went off. And I sat there and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I just couldn't follow him at all. You know, sure, I was uh, having stuff revealed to me, but I was missing the understanding. But here, uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, is not going to be giving us information that we can't understand. Cannot. Instead, we are going to be getting information And then uh, when it talks about, uh, in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart, eyes here, uh, yes, uh, the Greek is pointing to the organ of sight, but by extension, it's also pointing to the faculty of mental perception and understanding, knowledge, again, the eyes of your heart, Uh, here, uh, this word, cardia, in the Greek, it's talking about Heart or the mind, the seat of thought and emotion. Check this out. Heart is similar in meaning to soul, but often the heart has a focus on thinking and understanding. Enlightened, enlightened, illuminated, brought to light, gives light to, makes plain to. Paul is praying that we can know more, that we can understand more. And this is not the only time he does it. These verses, again, have been uh, up there before. And we've talked about them a little bit. But here they are again. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Going back a little bit in our passage. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. In Ephesians chapter 3, Verses 16 through 19, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, did you see that again? Faith and love, uh, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Colossians 1, 6. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood 
God's grace in all its truth. And finally, in Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing in your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Paul desires for each and every one of us, uh, as he continues to talk about it, as he continues to talk about it, that we grow in our knowledge. Now, to show that this isn't just Paul, but that this is actually God wanting us to dive into our knowledge of Him, there are two other times that it's brought up. Well, plenty more than two, but I'm giving you two other examples from two other writers. The author of Hebrews, and if you want to flip over there, you are more than welcome to. The author of Hebrews talks about this as well. Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. We have much to say about this. Now, they were just, uh, the author of Hebrews was just talking about some really heady stuff. Talking about Jesus as the great high priest. And he says, we have much to say about this. But it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. That's no good. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We should be growing in our knowledge. If you are walking with Christ, your knowledge should be growing. My little boy, Micah. Uh is about 16 months old now and uh, still wearing his diapers. And uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, there were a couple times I I watched him marching around in his diapers and I go, man, that's convenient. It's kind of nice. You know, why don't adults wear diapers too? Uh, And, uh, you know, then he got this horrible diaper rash and I started to understand a little bit more. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, That's starting to make sense. You know, I don't really want this. You know, and we don't, we don't shame Micah for, for marching around in diapers. In fact, we prefer it. Uh, but, you know, if he got to be seven or eight years old and was still wearing those diapers, people might look at him a little bit differently. Because as you grow as a person, you should be learning. You should be growing in knowledge. All right, guys, here's a challenging question for you. Maybe one you don't think about often, but let me ask you. Why do you think in the country of the United States, you are forced to go to school from the ages of 5 to 18? Why do you have to go to school besides mom and dad baby? Yeah. But, I mean, you're, you're pretty smart right now, right? I mean, are you smart enough? To get smarter. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Because it's illegal Hey, that's a great reason. That's some wisdom right there. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to continue to learn. We're supposed to continue to grow. We're supposed to get smarter, right? We're supposed to continue to grow and learn. And guess what? In our walk with God, we're supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to continue to grow, continue to learn. There's not really a point where we get, we're like, yep, got it. 
I know it all now. I've got it all figured out. No. We need to continue to grow. We need to continue to learn. The other passage, uh, Dave read part of it, is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. If you want to flip over there, you are more than welcome to. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now, one thing I want you to check out in that first uh, uh, sentence is that our knowledge does not come from us. But rather, our knowledge comes from God. His divine power has given us. God has given us the ability to know. God has given us the ability to reason. It is not something that we can be proud of in and of ourselves. Be like, yeah, look how smart I am. No, 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 no. God has given us that ability, and Dave pointed it out, that this is not something that we should take pride in, but rather something that uh, God has given us, and we should continue to have joy in. Knowledge. Continuing on. Through these, he has given us, through these being glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God gives us knowledge uh, so that we can commune with him. The more we know him, the more we can commune with him. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The more knowledge we have, uh, the more equipped we are to fight against temptation. The more equipped we are to fight against sin. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, faith, goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, I love how it started with faith, ended with love. Again, coming back to these two key elements. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This knowledge adds the idea of insight. Uh, And the knowledge in verse 8 is a different in verses 5 and 6. And the knowledge in verse 8 is uh, talking about, yes, knowledge and understanding, but also depth of insight. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Let me read you this real quick. The dangers of peephole drive. As the recent winter approached, USA Today writer Larry Copeland wrote a story about the dangers of peephole driving. Anyone who lives in the frozen north has likely been a peephole driver at some point. You're in a hurry to get to work on time, and when you walk out into the cold, you find that your car is encased in a layer of snow and ice from an overnight storm. You start the car and turn up the heater, get out your scraper, and battle to chip out a clear space on your windshield. After a few minutes, you have cleared away an opening the size of a large pepperoni pizza. Mmm. 
You are now shivering and miserable. And you realize that this will take 10 more minutes. So you move to the rear window and scrape off a narrower opening the size of a small sausage pizza with extra olives and do the same with the side windows. You throw caution to the frigid winds and get in the car and drive away. Then it hits you. You can hardly see. You drive really slow and lean close up to the windshield and peer out your people into anyone before the heater and defrosters melt more of the ice away from your windows. Worse yet, as you peer out your peephole, you notice that other drivers are peering out their peepholes. <laughs> Copeland's article ends with this warning from the North Carolina Department of Motor Vehicles. Peephole driving is an invitation to disaster. Peephole driving is an apt picture of what it's like to go through life with the limited vision that comes from limited understanding and wisdom, the kind of limitations that come from not knowing the scriptures. Now, we will never have perfect knowledge. When uh, studying evolution and creation and just looking at the world around me, some things uh, didn't always make sense, and so I would ask my dad about it, and he'd say, uh, you know, if we had a perfect understanding of science and a perfect understanding of the scriptures, they would match together perfectly. But the problem is we don't. And we never will. But that doesn't mean that we don't pursue it. We need to dive deeper in our knowledge. Now, what are we supposed to know? And I'm just going to fly through these real quick. And this is uh, <clears throat> what Paul was pointing towards. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Talk to someone whose hope has been stripped, whose life is falling apart, and who has nowhere to go but Jesus. And then you'll really start to understand what this hope is all about. This inheritance, this salvation. We saw just last week that it's a guarantee. That it's something that we can be sure of. That we've been promised it. Looking back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, it says that uh, in love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. So now that we're adopted, we have access to this inheritance. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of His sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God has given us a beautiful inheritance in our salvation. And he talks about uh, knowing about God's as we continue in the book of Ephesians. Go ahead and uh, come on. And your uh, walkway is nice and easy this week. You got two words. Pray and never. As you think about this word pray, I encourage you, pray for people. 
Not that I'll pray for you should be bad words, but back that up with action. And then dive into your knowledge of God more. Dive into your study. Some of the questions there ask about uh, your personal study, your personal quiet times. Uh, my book has disappeared, but uh, I, I bought not long ago a, a concordance that has the Greek and the Hebrew uh, in there. And it has been just a blessing to me uh, to dive even deeper into understanding God's word. And I have enjoyed uh, the study that I've had recently. And I encourage you to dive in as well, because there's so much in there. Let me pray. I'm just uh, thankful for the gift that you give us uh, of knowledge. God, that we can take time to come and know you more. And I ask, God, that you uh, help us, give us the time to sit down and study your word. Uh, Give us the time to sit down and pray for other people. And continually bring to mind people that we need to be praying for. God, I ask that uh, you'll just have this hunger in our hearts to know you more. And we ask this in Jesus.